0: Welcome to ESA Explores, an official podcast of the European Space Agency. In this podcast, we take you on a journey across Europe and into the cosmos as we explore what it takes to go to space with the many people who make it happen. I'm Ali Kola, Stephen Ennis is on the Sound Desk, and this is ESA Explores. 10. Nine, eight, seven, six. Six. It simply wouldn't be a space podcast without an acronym, and in this episode, that acronym is ERA, or ERA. ERA stands for European Robotic Arm. At a weight of 630 kgs, it is an impressive bit of European-built kit that will soon be launched to the International Space Station from Baikonur Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan. Once there, ERA will play a vital role in continuing space station construction, supporting science, and allowing astronauts and cosmonauts to access the Russian segment of the space station's exterior. The story of the European robotic arm is one of European innovation and international partnership, but it's also a tale of perseverance. We asked ESA's ERA project manager, Philippe Schoenjens, to tell us more about the arm, its strengths and its challenges on the way from Earth to space. I'll just start by asking you to give us a brief explanation. What is the European robotic arm?
1: Uh, well, The European robotic arm is, is a very long, large manipulator. It's more than 11 meters long. Thin and long. It, it has hands on both sides. It looks like a human arm, in fact, but so much larger. So it has an elbow, it has a wrist, it has a hand. But the peculiarity is it has the hand on both sides. So with that, it means it can, it can move over to a handhold or base point. It can grapple it and then let go of the original one and then uh, move over to the other side. Like, like that, it like walks can walk over the Russian part of the International Space Station and cover the whole area there and, and perform its task.
0: Okay, so this is unique, isn't it? Because we have a couple of other robotic arms on the station but is this walking function the unique thing about the European robotic arm?
1: And not fully unique. The, uh, the Canadian arm uh, can do it as well. Uh, the Japanese arm cannot. That's a fixed one which is uh, on the uh, Japanese experimental uh, module. But uh, I think with ERA, we are quite happy to, uh, to have this function. And in addition, we have a, a lot of flexibility in its operation. It can be operated from inside or from outside, so using a laptop or using external control panel can handle small payloads, but also very, very large payloads of up to 8,000 kilos. And it can do that with an accuracy of like five millimeters of placement. It's still very much state-of-the-art.
0: Okay, and going back to that question, so what does it enable that, say, the Canadian robotic arm doesn't, what are the advantages of of sending this robotic arm to the station?
1: Well, I think the the, the key point is that the, um, the Canadian and the um, Japanese arm cannot reach the Russian segment of the space station. So there's no need whatsoever to argue that there's only one robot. I think we'll have robots in the end, uh, several robots in the areas of the, of the ISS. And in particular, the, the ERA will come together with a new Russian module that's being launched together with ERA to the, uh, to the ISS, It is the multipurpose laboratory module. It will, as its first task, have to, in, to install a radiator on this module. So that it can get rid of uh, of its heat that's been generated by the equipment in this uh, MLM laboratory module, as it's called, and it will install an an airlock, an equipment airlock, which allows to um, bring scientific experiments and scientific uh, instruments from and go let them go from inside to outside and back in with robotics, so that you don't need expensive, sometimes dangerous spacewalks with people to uh, to bring the equipment outside, and uh, I think that's now. The killer application for ERA, that's the main reason for it to be there. And then in addition, it has a lot of other purposes that we will see in, in the coming years.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about the function of ERA in assisting with spacewalks?
1: In two ways, it's relevant for the spacewalks. First of all, when uh, we need to bring scientific equipment outside to the space station to, to place it somewhere where it can do its uh, science. Uh, with the uh, Russian equipment airlock, we can now do that completely without needing um, that are expensive and dangerous human spacewalks because the cosmonauts can place that science instrument inside an equipment airlock on a set of rails. The rails will bring that payload outside where the um, ERA robot can pick it up and place it wherever it's needed. So there it is then very important that you can actually avoid the need for a spacewalk. But when you do have a spacewalk, there's another purpose of ERA comes in, mainly, namely that uh, an astronaut can stand on a small pedestal at the end of a robot arm and can then be moved over a distance of well, potentially 22 meters, twice the, the length of, of era. And, can, and like that, it can move. Uh, an asteroid can move very quickly and very safely across the ISS. Because we have to think of um, spacewalks as being a highly critical activity where the astronauts have to really keep care. That they continuously secure themselves because if, if you forget that and you would float off, then uh, I think it's end of story. When they are attached on the arm of ERA, then they are, they can move over large distances safely. ERA is, is very useful for spacewalks in cooperation with astronauts, but also to avoid them if that is possible.
0: So we're now looking to a launch date in July and it's very exciting. And I imagine that it's something that you're very much looking forward to as the project manager. I understand that ERA itself has been through several iterations and has had a bit of a journey to get to where it is today. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
1: It dates back from a long time. and In fact, it has had four applications. In the the very first instance, the ERA was designed as the um, robot arm for a space plane that Europe was making, first as French program and then as European program, it was called Hermès. Just like the space shuttle had, it, it would have a long robot arm on it That's to, to bring payloads uh, from the cargo bay of this space plane onto um, a small space station. But unfortunately, MS got canceled. And uh, so we were stuck with a uh, robot arm design. We, we wanted, to, of course, to find a good application. So we teamed up with Russia. And Russia, at that time, they had their Mir space station. And they wanted to have a second or better version of it. They wanted to make a Mir 2. We had teamed up with them. We were going to make the robot arm for Mir 2. But then MIR2 got canceled because the Russians were preferring to join NASA, ESA, uh, Canada, Japan to build the ISS. And then ERA became the uh, robotic arm for the Russian segment of the ISS. And it was going to be placed on something called the science and power platform. So that was some element uh, with large solar arrays and with, again, science laboratory modules. But that uh, got canceled at some point in time again. And I think the Russians had, uh, then decided that it was OK for them to use the power coming from the very, very large American solar arrays on the American sector. So now we got to the fourth application, and that was this multi-purpose laboratory module, which is today going to be the home of ERA. But uh, of course, a long time had passed in, uh, in all these four applications, and uh, our contract for to actually build the manipulator was signed in 1995, so it's 26 years ago. The journey has been indeed very, very, very long.
0: And so now I imagine the ERA is almost packed up and, and ready for its journey to space. How will it be traveling there and what happens once it arrives on station?
1: We have just, last week, we have completed the installation of ERA on this multipurpose laboratory module. So it's like curled around this, the, the cylindric uh, Russian module. And uh, like that, it will go on the proton rocket and will be launched from Baikonur on 15th of July. Then this MLM will fly on its own to the ISS, so it it has a propulsion system. It will dock to the ISS on the 23rd of July. And then uh, then ERA is is where it is supposed to be, but it's still not in operating condition. And uh, then the first operations of ERA will start somewhere at the end of September.
0: Okay, and we're expecting to perhaps see ESA astronaut Matthias Maurer involved in those first operations. Is that right?
1: Not in the very first ones. 15th July we launch from Kazakhstan, 23 July docking. September we will first, for the first time, switch ERA on from the inside. And so that will be done using uh, ERA control laptop. It will be done by European astronaut uh, Thomas Pesquet, who will then still be on, on ISS. And then it's in January and February ERA will be installed using spacewalk or EVA. And uh, there will be the first checkout of it. Then somewhere... We don't yet know exactly what will be the date, but somewhere around March next year or February or March, then Matthias Maurer will perform a spacewalk in EVA and he will do the first test with ERA when ERA is carrying uh, something. And uh, when these, what we call in-orbit validation tests have been completed, then we can declare ERA ready for use and it can start to do the task for which it was originally brought to the station.
0: And is that when you breathe your of relief after all of these years? <laughs>
1: Well, I think, um, first of all, we will be very relieved when it actually goes to the ISS. So that, that's a very, very strong relief because we've had, we needed so much perseverance to actually get to where we are today. But of course, once it is on the ISS, we um, anxiously await the moment that we are sure that it will actually work. And that will um, take a while because that's then only in the spring of next year that uh, all the in-orbit tests will have been completed. And maybe some tuning of the software is needed. Um, likely not, because it's all been tested and simulated uh, on ground. But uh, it's still the operation zero G may be different from from uh, what we've done on ground. So uh, indeed, uh, it, this will be a very exciting moment when we finally can put a big stamp on it stating ready for use and we'll start to um, use it to do the further assembly of the MLM so that that lab can actually come into its full use.
0: You've now shifted your focus is more on Mars, if I'm correct. And so are there learnings that you've taken away from this era development that you're now applying in new projects or that ESA is now applying in new projects?
1: Oh, yes, all the time. I think the, the era was our first big robotic project, so and even though... It has taken a long time before it to go actually to space so we can learn even more from it because we'll learn from how it operates in practice. But already from the development, we've learned about uh, the uh, control modes, man-machine interfaces, what we can do with it. We have used it already in technology developments that we've been doing for also robots on the moon and now for robots on Mars. And in some areas, uh, there are, uh, the same companies that they were already involved in ERA are now involved in, in our robots, for, particular for Mars, what I'm now doing, but will also be involved in robots for the moon. So yes, this is all contributing to our, our knowledge on robotics. And as I say, I think robotics is there to stay. And uh, exploration should, should always be something where you have humans and robots working together to bring us further. Sometimes the robots go as explorers. So now I think today's state-of-the-art is we can go with people to ISS and the moon. Mars, we cannot yet, but we can go with robots. They're paving the way for the next step is to go with people to Mars.
0: Absolutely. Well, that all sounds really good. Thanks for talking us through that, Philippe. We'll be watching keenly (laughs) as this era launches in July.
1: You can imagine that I will do exactly the same. (laughs) I hope to be there. I hope to be there for the launch oh, fantastic! and then be super excited to see things. It will make us all very happy after all these years to see it go because it, it deserves that. I think it's a, it's a super nice piece of technology that we need to get in space.
0: Yes, indeed. Best of luck to you and your team for the
1: launch. Thank you very much.
0: I can only imagine how Philippe must be feeling with the launch of this European robotic arm just around the corner. And as you can hear, we only just scratched the surface of what this arm can do and what it took to get it to space. We'll be back again with another episode on ERA, this time talking more about its development with Philippe, including how you create a control panel that can be used outside the space station by a fully suited and gloved cosmonaut, but also with ESA astronaut Andre Kuipers, who actually trained with the robotic arm underwater ahead of his second flight to the space station. Until then, you can share your feedback with us on Twitter at ESA Space using hashtag ESA Explores or tune in to previous podcast episodes via your favorite podcast platform. And if you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share so we can reach even more space fans. Thank you for listening to ESA Explores.